Okay, guys. There's a lot of people here. So squish in. There's a bunch of seats up here. There's a bunch of seats over there. Make room, make room. If you guys are brave enough, you can walk all the way down the aisle and fill in these seats over here. But welcome to the collective. My name is uh, Ben Hilson. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, uh, I'm the young adults pastor here at Village Church. And I would just want to welcome you. This is one expression of our young adult community uh, here at Village Church, uh, which is a church that meets on Sundays at the Bell and in Langley and at Colossus. And uh, I invite you all out to one of those services. If you haven't checked it out, we're starting a new series this Sunday called The Problem of God. And it's a series talking about all these different objections uh, that people have with Christianity. So if you're skeptical, uh, if you're exploring Christianity, I just am so glad that you're here. Welcome. Tonight, I kind of want to do a bit of a vision talk, if you will. And my brain's in like so many different places. Uh, as some of you guys know, uh, my wife just had a baby on Tuesday. So yeah, that's right. So four kids, I know. I'm, me and my wife are crazy. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to handle that uh, at home. Uh, so, but with that, this... This verse was just resonating with me all week, and it was Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. And that's where I want to talk from uh, tonight as we start off this ministry season together. And I, I just want to really give you a vision for what I want this community to be and what I believe that God wants this community to be. And as you guys have known, if you've been coming to the collective for the last couple of years, God's just kind of been forming this community and gathering young adults to this place. And I really believe this season, he really wants to shape us together to be something really special in this city, to make an impact everywhere we go. And I want to speak into that tonight and kind of give you this picture, this vision, uh, a bit of this spirit that I'm feeling tonight about what we can do together, what we can accomplish through the power of God together. And I really want to read Acts 2, 42 to 47 straight through and pray because, as I said, I really need prayer. Uh, my baby girl, Lennon, she's the sweetest thing. But uh, I definitely have, I don't know if daddy brain or, uh, yeah, I know there's such thing as mommy brain, but I think daddy brain's a thing because this morning I woke up and uh, I don't know, does anybody know what Volterran is? It's like this stuff that you put on your muscles when they're sore and it kind of heats up a little bit. Anyways, I put that on my toothbrush and I started brushing my teeth <laughs> and I straight up was like, why isn't this minty? And then I just freaked out because I started reading the label, spitting out. My mom's like, oh, my wife, sorry, not my mom. <laughs> My wife's like, what's going on in there? I didn't even see my brains everywhere. So we're going to definitely pray. Not only that, I, as I was prepping this sermon, my wife calls me and is like, oh, our middle son is lost. Like it's, he's like in kindergarten. So I'm like running around the block looking for my lost son. Anyways, Acts 2, 42, crazy day. Life of the dad is awesome. Um, okay. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together in all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. 
Father, I just come humbly to your throne tonight, just asking, just pleading, God, that you would just work in this place tonight, that you would allow your spirit to do a work in our hearts, God, especially mine, just to remind us of the gospel, to remind us of what your son came and did, to remind us of your love, remind us of your grace, remind us of your mercy, remind us of how good you are, how good of a father you are to us, God, that that would just create in us, God, a new heart, a clean spirit, and just this, this passion to live our lives for your glory. I pray for everybody in this place, no matter where they come from, what they believe, uh, where they're at when it comes to the relationship with you. I pray that you would just meet them in an unexplainable way, God, that they would have a fresh encounter with you tonight through your word, through the presentation of the gospel. And I pray that everything that's done, God, my words, this, this talk, the worship, the prayer time is done for your glory with you in focus, God. These next couple moments, God, help us to forget about ourselves and just hone into what you're saying, what you're doing in this place. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So, background on Acts. Uh, it's pretty much part two, season two, if you will. Anybody waiting for Stranger Things season two? Yeah, with high anticipation. Season two of Luke. So if you want to know what happened before Acts, go read Luke. But Luke is writing, and it's an extension of what God is doing, what the Spirit of God is doing when it comes to creating the church. And it's just an extension of Jesus' work. And what we see here is really the beginning of the church. Right before we read verse 42, Peter just preached this sermon. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was a simple sermon, but 3,000 people all of a sudden decided to give their lives to Jesus. And all of a sudden, you see over 3,000 people in this crazy community. And what I love about this, this passage, what gets me so jacked up, is that this is just a beautiful picture of what I believe that this community can be. And I'm already seeing things in this passage happen amongst us as we gather every other week. And as we talk about this, um, I don't care where you're at when it comes to following Jesus. You know, if you decided to follow him, if you gave your life to him, if you've been following him since you were four, if you're not quite sure yet where you stand with him, if you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing, if you're still exploring, you still have doubts, if you still have questions, there's one thing that everybody in this room has in common. And that's we all have this desire that's built into us as humans that we want to belong, that we want to be part of community. And the worst thing I realized early on in life was to be rejected, to find out that you don't belong, to find out that you don't fit in. And I learned that early on in junior high. I'm not sure about you, but grade six uh, was one of the worst years of my life. We moved back down to California. That's originally where I'm from. And we went to San Jose, and uh, I started attending this private school there. And I just thought, like, the things that got me by here in high school, or sorry, junior high here, uh, which was just being good at sports and joining every team, would get me into the right groups or help me belong down there. But I was wrong. And the thing down there was skateboarding, like, kind of, like, trumped 
being athletic, as you can tell, I'm, I really am. And uh, what happened was I didn't skateboard. But I joined every team. I was on the football team. And there's this weird, weird thing that happens in junior high where all of a sudden, you know, you hit, hit puberty and all those kind of things. But also, you know, conversation starts changing from video games to girls and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, I was hanging out with all my football team. And we, we hung out all year. And it was like probably like a couple months before school ended. And I remember we were standing around in the circle, just chatting and talking uh, at recess. And uh, all of a sudden, conversation changed. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't really know what was talking about. And uh, the, uh, the quarterback, obviously, this is how all the stories go, uh, looked at me. And he straight up, like, took his foot out and, like, scooted me out of the group. Like, put his foot to my chest, and it wasn't like this this is Sparta moment, but it was like he took his foot, and there was this desperate on my chest, and he booted me out of the group because he was telling me without telling me that I didn't belong anymore. And I don't care who you are. That's one of the worst feelings in the world, to be rejected like that. And there's something that has been built into all of us. One pastor puts it like this. This desire to be part of the in crowd, to be accepted, is strong within us all. In part, this reflects the fact that we are made in the, in the image of the relational God. God is persons in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three person in one. And we are persons in community also. So it's no surprise to find that we desire community. This is a good thing. This is a godly desire. We, as human beings, are communal beings. And we can, can't find, get this, we can't find real fulfillment in life unless we find meaningful, real community. And I want to say this as we start this talk. My heart, my hope, my prayer for every one of you guys in this room, no matter how you dress, what you look like, where you come from, what school you go to, what job you have, if you believe or not that you belong here, that we will act in a way that's accepting to you. And to be really transparent, I hope you don't, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you haven't given your life to him, I hope you don't stay like that. I'm praying that you have an encounter with him tonight, uh, an encounter with his love, encounter with his grace, and that you would move into his family, into his community. But if that's you and you're kind of on the fence when it comes to belief in Jesus, I pray that you find that this community is like the most welcoming place in the city. But with that, if you believe in Jesus, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, I want to talk to you for a couple minutes tonight. And just two things, okay? Two things that I want this community to be. And I put them down like that. And I really believe that God put this on my heart as I stand studying this passage. The first thing is this. We will be a community that is devoted to Jesus and devoted to each other. We will be a community that's devoted to Jesus and devoted to each other. Right off the bat, as you see in this passage, this word devoted just popped up to me. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayers. And verse 43 goes on. It says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Yes, Jesus was at the center of everything they did, and Jesus will always be at the center of everything that we do here. That's one of our values here at The Collective. But another thing that is going to take place is that we are, we are people-focused. 
Meaning that not only are we devoted to Jesus and we're going to express that in our times together, but we're going to be devoted, committed, if you will, to each other. To the people that you find in this room, the people that you find in your community group. And this word devotion, you know, uh, it's another way of saying it's a, they displayed this persistence, this perseverance, this commitment, in other words, to each other. This word also that we see here, that they devoted themselves to, to, to the fellowship, is another way of saying that they, they shared everything in common. The author's trying to convey to us that they shared life. They shared life together. This is what is indicative of true community. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, so how do I explain this to you guys? How do I show this to you guys? How do I illustrate this to you guys? God just clearly was like, Ben, I've been preaching you this sermon all week. I pre I've been preaching this sermon to you all week. And I, I took a step back and I realized that the people around me have functioned, have acted in this way towards me all week, all month, all summer. There's two guys in this room. One goes by the name of Ralph that most of you guys know. Uh, he helps out with uh, creative. He helps out with everything, pretty much. Uh, he's one of our core team members. And there's another guy that goes by the name of Dan. And he leads our prayer team. Uh, he leads the coffee back there. These two guys have been preaching this message about what it looks like to be a devoted community, uh, uh, devoted to each other, to me, all week. And it all started with a phone call. This realization started with a phone call on Tuesday uh, when my wife, all of a sudden her water broke at home. It's our fourth kid, okay? So the midwife's told us that this baby's going to come like in 30 minutes. So I'm like panicking. I get on the phone and I'm like, no way this baby's going to be, like, we're not having this baby at home. Okay, we're going to make it to the hospital. I had, that was like my goal. And I was like, this is going to happen. So I was calling my parents. And sure enough, the one time my parents don't pick up, like I called them seven times and I'm like, what is going on? And they have this weird phone and apparently they put it on talk and left it on talk. Anyways, I called them like seven times and I'm like, the one time that you don't pick up is when my wife's having, about to have a baby. This is ridiculous. I was so mad. Anyways, I called Dan up and he picked up. He's like, what do you need? And I'm like, um, hey, can you come and pick up my two oldest kids because uh, my wife's about to have this baby. I tried to say it as calm as possible, but Dan knows me pretty well, and he knew there's this sense of anxiousness in my voice. So within minutes, Ralph and Dan show up to my house. They pick up my two sons. They take them off to find my parents' house. They didn't care. They just came and did it for me, and this is, this is what God was showing me. This is what this community should be when it comes to how we interact with each other. When it comes to a response, it's this other's first mindset. I don't know what they were doing. I found out later that they were at a coffee shop. They were talking about their community group. They were praying into collective stuff and all that kind of stuff. But I know, you, you, you might have to ask them after service, but I know that was the last thing they probably wanted to do was come and hang out with my kids. Like, sure, my kids are great, but still, like... That's probably the last thing they wanted to do on a Tuesday night when they were sitting at a nice coffee shop, drinking coffee and everything else you did at a coffee shop. Anyways, and I was just thinking about this, and as I reflected on that action, it just dawned on me that these guys, like, really have shown just, just this commitment to this community here in such a sacrificial way. 
And I go back to think about the fellowship and the, the community group times that we had. We started a community group on Thursday nights for the summer. Uh, we went through this book on spiritual gifts as we did a series on spiritual gifts here at the collective. And I was thinking about all the different ways that through Dan, through Ralph, God just encouraged me. That God bolstered my faith. That God just renewed this passion that I had for Jesus through them. That's what this looks like right here. This is what we're reading about. Dan and Ralph were just a flesh and blood illustration for me all week as I was reading this passage. And this is the thing. The one thing that we need to fight. The one thing that we need to fight as a community in this culture is the mindset of individualism. Of self-reliance. Of this follow my heart and do whatever it takes, live however I want. It's all about me. That's what we need to fight. If we want to see this devotion happen, if we want to see this community come together in unity as we read about here in Acts 2, that's one of the things that we're going to have to get rid of. One of the things that we're probably going to have to open our eyes and just go and do just a, a survey of our lives and see all the different ways that we're acting in a selfish way where it's not others-focused whatsoever, where we don't go unless it's convenient for us. When I called Dan and Ralph, it wasn't convenient for them to come rushing over and grab my kids. But they had this other first mindset. They had this mindset that Jesus talks about. That they loved me like they loved themselves. They put me first in that moment. And here's the thing. If you're, if you're not in that type of community, if you're not going after this fellowship that I'm talking about, this shared life, First John puts it like this in John writes, but if we walk in the light as he, in, he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Evidence that you're following Jesus is that you have fellowship with one another. And if you don't, it's pretty simple. You're walking in darkness. And I'll let you put two and two together. But the byproduct of commitment, get this, is community. The byproduct of commitment is always community. And as millennials, one thing we have to overcome besides this individualistic mindset is just this, our commitment issues. I'll put it like that, our commitment issues. We all have commitment issues. I'm not sure about you, but this mindset at a subconscious level works its way into the choices that I make where I don't commit to something because I always have this idea that maybe something better will come along. Anybody with me? Let's, let's just apply this to relationships for a second, okay? I talk to a lot of young adult guys, uh, some of you in the room, that won't go and ask this girl out because at a subconscious level, you're kind of operating with, well, what if something better comes along? Or even if some of you guys in this room are, have been dating for a long time and uh, you're just hesitating or waiting to ask that girl to marry you, at a subconscious level, you have commitment issues and this is what's happening, and as millennials across the board, this is something that we need to overcome. This is something that we need to be aware of. This is something that we need to sacrifice. See, if we're going to be devoted to each other in this way, this way that Dan and Ralph showed me, it's going to take sacrifice. But here's the beauty of it. There's so much fruit, both spiritual fruit, relational fruit, that comes into your life. And as I was thinking about this, I, I believe when it comes to spiritual formation, when it comes to being, making, and looking more and more like Jesus each and every day, it only happens in the crucible of community. It only happens in community. 
When it comes to our faith, we just also sometimes we have this individualistic mindset where we think we could do it by ourselves. But the reality is God never created this life to be lived by yourself. So here's the thing. When it comes to this, I love how these people are just devoted to each other, the apostles' teaching, which is just another way of saying the teachings of Jesus, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And get this, as this is happening, verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And this is the beauty. In a community that's devoted to one another, that has this unity, uh, uh, this mindset, this others-focused mindset, that you're just, your goal is just to build the other person up, you see signs and wonders. You see the Holy Spirit just present and working and evident. And as we talked about, right, we talked about in our Holy Spirit series, what is one of the main goals of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit expresses itself through different gifts, through different people, for one purpose, to encourage and build up the church, the community of God. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in working in our community. And when we have that mindset, when we function in that way, in that unity, we just see God move in miraculous ways. And he's doing that. He's doing that amongst us. Like even last talk, I heard a story uh, through Ralph about a girl who had like this hip pain. And uh, during the talk, the talk was about healing. And sure enough, God decided to heal her of this hip pain that she went to specialist. She did all these things, but she couldn't find any relief. And all of a sudden, sitting there in the service, listening to the sermon, God just miraculously healed her. See, that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how the Holy Spirit works in community. And I know what you're thinking. I can't have this type of devoted, committed relationship with everybody in the room. Yeah, you're right. I don't expect you to have that relationship with every single person sitting in this room. That's impossible. But yes, I do believe that you can have this unity, this, this fellowship with a small group of people. That's why we do community groups. And you're going to hear about that as uh, the weeks go on of how you can be part of a community group. But really, on Thursday nights when we met and when we talked and when we prayed together, God just spoke and encouraged and worked through spiritual gifts in just some extraordinary ways. And you can ask Dan and Ralph about that. But number two. We will be a community marked by our radical love for one another in the world. We will be a community marked by our radical love for one another and the world. As I read that out loud, as I was going over my notes, I realized this, that those two points are actually kind of the same point. And it was just this, it just solidified this in my spirit, that God wants to get a message to us as a community, and it's very simple. Okay, what we see here is we see and we read all who believed were together. It had all things in common in verse 44. And it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. If that isn't radical love, I don't know what is. If that isn't a picture of radical love, I don't know what, that, what else is. And I was reading this, and I know maybe you're thinking the same thing that I was as I read this passage out loud. Is like, are we going to have to sell our possessions and give stuff away? Like, what is this? Like, is this something that we're going to be forced to do? I'm not sure about you, but I have some nice stuff. But what I realized 
was that this wasn't anybody forcing anybody to do anything. This was voluntary. They were doing this voluntarily. And here's the crazy thing. This type of thing is happening right here in our community. It's already happening. Like Emmanuel, one of our core leaders, uh, shared about his community group. Last community group season, uh, somebody that I'm not sure who, who he is, came back from a mission trip, lost his job, and uh, Jess, who's the community group leader, rallied their community group around this guy. They grabbed food, they grabbed cash, they grabbed whatever they had, and they went and gave it to this guy to keep him afloat during that time, during that season. This thing, this thing that we read about, it, it's happening. It's happening amongst us. And people that act in this way, that give just so voluntarily, are people that have had a true encounter and experience with the gospel. That's the type of people that automatically act like this, that think like this, that have this type of mindset. They give because they realize how much God has given them. John 3.16 puts it like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, when it came to me and you, God didn't hold anything back. When it came to rescuing you, me and you from our sin, he didn't hold anything back. He gave us everything. He gave us his one and only son to come and take our place. The wages of sin is death. So he came and took that sin, the wages of death, the death penalty on himself, on the cross, he took it voluntarily. He gave his life for us. And when you realize the gospel, when you realize what he came and did, you will voluntarily give everything that you have when you experience that grace. Because, see, the reason that he came and did that for you wasn't because of anything that you did. See, this is what I love about Christian community, which makes it authentic and attractive. You belong before you behave. Get that? You belong before you behave. Jesus came and died for your sins while you were still a sinner. While you were still messed up. While you were still self-absorbed. While you were still just figuring your stuff out. He came and he died for your sins. You belong before you behave. And I love what happens here is you're accepted because of what Jesus did. You're accepted because of what Jesus did on your behalf. And you're accepted in God's eyes, when you believe what Jesus did to be true and you give his life to him, you give your life to him and you come into that relationship. And I love how one pastor puts it. He says this, Tim Keller. He said, when, uh, when Jesus took our punishment, he took what we deserve, he gives us access to this new life, also known as being born again. When you're born again, you enter into this new life and you enter into this new family. The Bible tells us that this new birth creates a family. The normal way that family works is you have this rather intimate relationship with the other people who have that same parent. You live together. You know one another. You're born into a family. The Bible tells us you're not born again into just kind of an individual state of peace and inner calm and comfort. The new birth creates a new community. It puts you into a community with all the other people who have been through the same experience. You have to understand that. We need to know that radical love, you could say, is an attribute of the family of God. When 
Lennon was introduced into this world, we were like all standing around while just me and my wife and some of the nurses, and we were just looking at the features that she had. And uh, if you know my family at all, the Hilson family, uh, we have something called the Hilson ears. And uh, <laughs> as I was looking at the, my daughter, Lennon, right away I noticed, and my wife noticed, that she had the Hilson ears. That's an attribute of the Hilson family. Just like that, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, radical love should be a tribute that we all have, a characteristic of all of us. Whatever walk of life we find ourselves, whatever career, whatever ethnicity. And if that isn't the case, you need to ask yourself, have you actually really experienced and understood the gospel for yourself? You need to ask yourself that question. See, when the grace of God is received and understood and experienced, it always arouses inside oneself the desire to give everything to meet someone else's need, to operate with a radical love for one another and the world. And when you realize that the radical love that God showed you, you will operate in this way voluntarily. You will easily commit, devote yourself to one another and to Jesus. You will easily treat each other with this radical love, with this other's first mindset. See, a guy who I believe lived like this, who just got this spirit, who lived with this radical love for others, be it people in his own community or people in the world, he, he wrote this creed. And he goes by the name of General William Booth. He founded the Salvation Army in uh, 1878. And he had this creed that he lived by. And it went like this. And I just want to hear, I want you to hear the spirit behind this creed. And I pray that it just does something to your heart as I read it out loud. He wrote this, while some people weep as they do, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, I'll fight. While men in prison, in and out, in and out, as they are now, I'll fight. Where there is a drunkard left, while there's a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. See, he got this. He got this whole idea of radical love, how he had everything that he needed to meet somebody else's need. And my prayer is that we as a community get some of this spirit inside of us, that we would commit to being devoted to one another, that we would ask God how we can be the answer to somebody else's prayer in this room, that we would fight for others who have no way, who are lost, who are broken, who are hurting, that we would just understand that we are created in the image of God to image him out to the world, to reflect his love that he has shown us. Some of us realize that that's our main purpose, that that's why we were created, to live on this earth. And tonight, as I close, I'm going to invite the band up. I'm not sure if you feel the way that I do tonight. Reading this passage, thinking about this community, but I'm okay if, if, if history goes by and somebody writes about a young adult community in Surrey, B.C., and like this passage, there's no titles, there's no names, there's no pictures. But all they write is that some men, some women, they decided to stand up. They decided to do something. They decided that they'd been given a lot and they could fulfill somebody else's needs. 
So they took this spirit, the spirit that we see in this creed, and they decided they, that they would fight to pe- for people who had no way. They, they decided that they would make a way for people that had no way. They decided that they would be the answer to prayer for some of these people who've been praying and just asking God to show up in some miraculous ways. That they would take whatever they had, they would gather it up and use it for the building and the spread of God's kingdom in this city. That some of us in this room would get the spirit to fight, to pray for things that people aren't praying for, to believe God, to see things that some people don't believe can happen in this city, in this world, in this country. That some people would just stand up and realize that God has given them so much in the person of Jesus Christ that they could make a difference in this world. If they just decided to do something, if they decided that they wouldn't just accept the world the way that it is, but they would believe that they can help create and cultivate the world they believe the way that it should be, the way that it should function, the way that we read about in the story of Genesis where the world and God are together and there's this communion and there's this beautiful thing happening. And God's presence is everywhere. And tonight, I'm committing to you that I'm going to stand to see this happen. That this community would be formed and created in that way as we step into this new season. And I'm going to call up Ralph and TJ and Haley and all the core team. I don't have time to name you guys. I know that they're going to stand. You guys can come up to the front here. I know that they're going to stand with me and they're committed to making this happen in this community, in this place, as we start this season of ministry. But the question that you have to ask yourself tonight is, God, what role do you want me to play in the building of this community? Are you calling me to be committed to this place to the collective, to the community group, whatever God is calling you to do. What is God saying to you in this moment? And here's my question. Will you stand with us? Will you stand with us to see this happen? Because we all have a part to play. We can't do it ourselves. So with that, I'm going to pray. And if you want to help us through the power of God make this happen, I want you to stand with me as I pray tonight. I want you to stand as a visual commitment to everybody in the room that you're going to live your life in a way that radical love is an attribute of your actions and the way you carry yourself, that you're committed to the people that God surrounds you with, with this other's first mindset. So if God's working in your heart, if he's moving right now, why don't you stand with me and I'm going to pray. God, I just thank you. what you're doing in this place. God, I'm just humbled by the idea that you use people like myself that are broken 
that in a, in a lot of ways are unskilled, that use people like myself to build your kingdom, that use people in this room that are standing right now in this moment to be a picture, to be an image of the community, the people of God that you've created us to be, to reflect your love into this world. So I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that as we stand together in unity to see this happen, to see the renewal of the city, to see you move in a powerful way, to see your power fall down, to see loss saved, to see the brokenhearted healed. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit right now in this moment. And God, I also pray for those of us in this room that are lost, that haven't given our lives to you, that haven't understood the gospel. I pray that you would do a work in their heart tonight, that they would respond, that they would go to the back and ask for prayer, that they would give their lives to you, that they would be welcomed into your family, God. So God, as we move into this time of prayer and communion, God, I pray that you would just remind us of that radical love that you showed us. I pray that you would remind us of that grace. I pray that you would start working through the gifts that you've equipped us with as a community to minister to one another, to pray for one another. God, that you would give us boldness and faith just to step out to encourage the person beside us or the person across the room, that together we would leave this place built up and on fire for you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.